Today I'm going to do something that I've only done a few times in my many years of ministry. I'm going to junk what I had to say. No, that's not a good way to put it. I'm going to um, change what I had to say in terms of a scriptural text and a subject. Usually I prepare for about somewhere between 6 and 18 months ahead of time in terms of what we're going to talk about. But today, for two reasons, I'm going to do that differently. One, I knew that Kevin was going to be sharing with you that soon we were going to be going into a pastoral search. And if you're like I am, you're thinking, boy, this is long overdue. I thought we were going to do this a long time ago. But it's, uh, it's really done decently in order and done well, as we Presbyterians always do. We are beginning a crucial step in the history of this church. It's a step which hasn't taken place before. The closest thing to it was back 30 years ago when uh, you sought out Glenn McDonald to be your first pastor. The second reason for changing what I'm doing today has to do with the group that I meet with every Thursday morning. Some of you are a part of that group. It's called the Life Changes Bible Study. We've been looking at and delving into Joshua, one of my favorite Old Testament books. And the week before last, we looked at Joshua chapter 3. And in Joshua chapter 3, we see something that I thought was very appropriate for us today, where we are in our season of transition. Joshua chapter 3 and all of Joshua sent me back to two momentous times in our life as a family. One of them took place uh, in 1983 when Alice, Becky, and I moved from uh, Belleville, Illinois, where I'd been an assistant, an associate, and a co-pastor, and we moved uh, about 50 minutes to a, from a very staid community of about 45,000. We kind of crossed over the Mississippi River, not the Jordan River, but the Mississippi River, to West St. Louis County, which was growing quickly and had maybe a million people within an hour's drive. It might be like moving from Franklin to Carmel, finding it difficult to believe that they were really going to select me as the senior pastor. The search committee said, you know, it was like the Red Sea opening. It was a miracle. We never thought it'd be him. The second momentous transition took place when God called us in 1995 to, from St. Louis to Southport here on the south side of Indianapolis. Before the PNC, which we're going to be electing soon, uh, really got started, they said, let's look for a biblical character together who will personify the person whom we're looking for. And so together they prayed about it and thought about it, and they said, it's Joshua. The reason being that they felt like there was going to be a crossing over for them. They were looking for someone who would help, who would help them to move from their seven and a half acres in a neighborhood next to an elementary school uh, to a 30-acre parcel of land close to I-65 where projected uh, development was about to take place. They surmised that moving from the comfortable and the familiar to an unknown future would be like crossing the Jordan River and maybe into the Promised Land. On this second Sunday in Advent, as we anticipate celebrating Christmas, Joshua 3 seems important and very significant, appropriate for us here at ZPC. In the exodus from Egypt 40 years before the time that we're going to be looking at, 
Israel had been birthed as a nation. In February, ZPC will celebrate its 30th anniversary. For the next 40 years after the Exodus, Israel wandered in the wilderness. This is where the analogy breaks down for sure. Over the past 30 years, ZPC has grown and has been fruitful like very few Presbyterian churches in our denomination. You grew to over 2,000 members with more than 1,000 people worshiping every week. But more important than that, in God's bottom line, many of you started your spiritual journeys right here. Let me just ask, how many of you started your spiritual journeys here at Southport? If so, raise your hand. At ZPC, Southport. (laughs) Sorry about that. Let's start that one again. How many, now I don't think there are any Southport people here, so, but how many of you started at ZPC? How many of you have started your spiritual journeys here? Some of you. And so, uh, and many of you started serving here, using the gifts that God had given you. In some ways, the past several years have felt like a wilderness, a desert experience for many of you. We now have about 1,300 members and an average of about 450 people in worship. It's been a tough few years, but I believe with all of my heart, a new day of great hope and potential is close at hand. In Joshua 3, the children of Israel have come to a crucial moment in their history, the day of crossing over the Jordan River. As we think about the beginning of a search for a new pastor to serve alongside of you, helping to lead you into this future, in some ways, maybe it's like the Jordan River. When Israel prepared to cross over the Jordan River, they found that it was in flood stage. The snow from the mountains of Lebanon had melted as it did every spring. Normally, the Jordan River is not much larger than Eagle Creek. But in April and May, the time of the spring harvest, it was a raging torrent of water. They had no boats, no rafts. Passage was impossible. Could it be that God had chosen this exact time when it would be impossible for them to cross so that the seemingly impossible would happen and God was the one who would receive the glory? Maybe so it is with us as we think about crossing over into the future. There are factors which are very imposing. There are some divisions which run deep over a few issues like denominational affiliation. How can we begin a search, some have asked, in such an uncertain time as we might think it is? Could it be that God is preparing the right person to be our next pastor and God wants you to depend depend completely on him to bring about this crucial transition in your history. With all of this as a foundation, let us turn together to Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read it, and I'd like you to follow along if you would. If you brought your Bibles, which I would encourage you to do, I'd like you to follow along in that or in your pew Bibles or on the screen. Listen now for the word of the Lord from Joshua 3, Verses 1 through 13. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped camped before crossing over. 
After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the waters, Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Kivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set forth in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream, will be cut off and stand up in a heap. May God add his blessing, understanding, and his application upon this, the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Please join me now in prayer. God, in the stillness of these moments, on this wonderful day of worship, speak to us. Speak to the preacher and speak to the people alike. If we go away without a word from you today, we're going to be disappointed. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In Israel's journey of faith, the day to cross over had arrived. As the people looked at the west side of the swollen river, none of them had been on the other side, only Joshua and Caleb, and only two unnamed spies. Forty years before, Joshua and Caleb had given a minority report that even though the other ten thought it was going to be impossible, we believe with God's help that we can cross over. The other two spies, who are the unnamed ones, at the end of chapter 2 of Joshua, bring the news to Joshua that had been given to them by Rahab. And that was that, guess what? The people on the other side are afraid of our God, and they believe that God is going to give them our land. The day to cross over had arrived. In the Hebrew, and this is very interesting and important, the word for cross over is avar. It's really avar. It's, it's A-B-A-R, but pronounced avar. It has the idea of crossing over a boundary. In physical terms, it's like crossing the, or passing over a river valley like the Jordan. In political terms, it's like crossing over a national boundary. In moral or ethical terms, in a positive way, it's like crossing over into a covenant or trespassing, in a negative way, a commandment. It was a different word than the one used when they went through the Red Sea. And do you know that avar is used 21 times 
in this passage between three, chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 5, verse 1? On Friday mornings every week, I have the privilege of mentoring a young pastor who has his Ph.D. in the Old Testament from Princeton. I ask him about the Hebrew word of R, and his eyes lit up, as you would expect someone with a Ph.D. in Old Testament. And he quickly said that he had spent time on his doctoral thesis on this very word of R. In addition to the definitions and examples that I had given, he said that it meant doing something which was decisive that couldn't be undone. Furthermore, he said, you can't cross over partially. It just couldn't be done. He said it's a, like, uh, it's a little bit like being a little bit pregnant. Either you are or you aren't. There's no in-between. Retired pastor John Huffman writes about the promised land, the land into which they would cross over, and he says, the land of Canaan was not an earthly paradise or a transcendent existence in which there would be no problems, but a place where the whole nature of what it was to be God's people would have to be worked out. There would be the pain of failure and the joy of success. Canaan represented a great improvement over the past 40 years, but it was not a utopia. As individuals, I believe that we face a var or crossover moments in our lives when we have to take decisive actions that propel us into the unknown of the future. Choosing a college, choosing a career, Choosing a person with whom to share our lives, all of these things feel like those crossover of our moments. Having a child is certainly a crossover moment. <laughs> We're going through this adventure with our daughter and son-in-law. Becky was 37 and Austin was 41 when Delaney was born last April. Both of them were very staid in their ways, in a good way, and very much uh, into their life together. The crossover of becoming parents has brought them the greatest sense of responsibility that they've ever encountered, as well as the deepest joys and the highest frustrations. Alice has said to Becky through the years, when you have a child, I hope she's just like you. <laughs> you ever heard that? By that, she was talking about being bright and analytical and, and fun-loving, <laughs> as well as stubborn. And there's no question that Delaney has fulfilled Alice's wish. <laughs> Becky is learning a lot about herself in all kinds of ways. At Delaney's birth, Becky and Austin experienced a crossover moment. Life will never be the same again. There are all kinds of other crossover moments in our lives as individuals. It may be a divorce, it may be a financial failure, or anything that radically changes our lives. It may be an artificial time. I spoke to a pastor friend of mine the other day, and he said his wife was celebrating her 49th birthday, and this whole next year was going to be difficult because for her, 50 was one of those crossover moments, and she was dreading it. Sometimes entering into retirement, it produces an artificial line that we cross over. Sometimes crossover moments come from an accident that takes place in the split second or the diagnosis of a disease. Another crossover moment comes when we make the spiritual decision, and this is such an important one, to open up ourselves to Jesus Christ 
and with repentance we receive forgiveness and new life as we become his disciples or followers. It's the most important crossover moment that I've ever had in my life. Along the same line, some of you have had crossover moments on great banquets or other spiritual experiences in which you have come home after wandering or have had some other important recommitment of your life to Christ. If you've, opened your, if you've not opened yourself up to the love and grace of God, right now, today, can be a crossover of our moment for you. If you've been on a journey which has led you far away from God, this can be a crossover moment for you as you come home to the loving Father who awaits your return with open arms. The, fi the final crossover moment for all of us certainly is when we breathe our last breath here but begin our eternal existence with our great and awesome God. It's a commencement exercise ushering us into a glorious new eternal presence with God. There are also many crossover moments for communities, and we've talked about this a little bit at the beginning. That's certainly what was happening here in Joshua 3, beside the swollen Jordan River. Joshua gives the children of Israel three specific instructions as they prepare for their day to cross over. First, they are to seek and follow the Lord. In the wilderness, God had led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now God's presence was symbolized, and they would be guided by the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which would be carried by the priests. In verses 3 and 4, Joshua orders the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, who are the Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. This was uncharted territory for them, and they needed to be watchful for the Lord's guidance as they prepared to cross over. Oh, dear friends, as you prepare to cross over into a new chapter of ZPC's history, you are moving into a place which you really haven't gone before as you search for a new pastor in this season when we're also trying to discern denominational affiliation. It's crucial to seek and follow the Lord just as Joshua commanded Israel. The session is asking for you, for all of us as a congregation, to seek and follow the Lord during the season of Advent and Christmas as we move into the new year. Other than sending the Congregational Nominating Committee names of people who might serve on the Pastoral Nominating Committee, we all together as a church family need to focus our attention on the Lord who sent his Son, who crossed over and came to this earth to be with us, to guide us, to bring us new life. Please dig into the Bible during this time. I know it's a busy time, but dig in and seek God's guidance. Please seek the Lord in concentrated prayer about this crossover moment in which we find ourselves. In so doing, let's set aside issues which might distract us 
which might divide us. Right now, we must spend our time seeking the Lord as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus instead of discussing, instead of discussing issues which might divide us and in which we differ. The challenge of the unknown in these uncertain times is imposing. Like Israel, we can't cross over with our own prowess and our own abilities. It's not going to happen. This may be a tough time for some of us to swallow. This might be a tough thing for some of us to swallow as a group of well-educated achievers who consciously or subconsciously think that we have most of the answers, and if we put our minds to it, we can accomplish anything. Secondly, Joshua calls the people to consecrate themselves. Listen to these words again from verse 5. Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. For the Israelites, that day beside the Jordan River meant that they must wash themselves with water and practice ceremonial cleansing which caused them to confess their sins before God and other people. For us, it means repenting of anything which we know is not right before God in our lives and coming clean with God and others. If Israel was going to experience God's power and see his plan unfold, they must not be carrying around the baggage of their sinful ways which would weigh them down and hold them back. And so it is with us. As I think of Joshua's first two instructions in this Avar crossover moment, my mind goes to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you look and see what it's there for. And, and if, so you go back to Hebrews 11, which is the hall of faith person after person after person who placed their faith in the Lord. And he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Thirdly, Joshua instructs the people to follow courageous leadership. That first meant following the priests as they carried the Ark of the Covenant. And then it meant following those 12 men who had been selected, those 12 men who would build there on the floor of the Jordan River using 12 stones, a monument to the Lord. So as the people passed by, they would be assured that it was the Lord who had done this. And then those same 12 men would take 12 stones and would take them to Gilgal where they would camp that night. And that would be a living monument to remember what God had done in that crossover day. I believe God is calling us to do the same thing as we follow the leaders whom we believe God has called to courageously go before us deliberately and, and helping us make decisions which they will then bring to us. Far too often it's easy for all of us to be critical, to be untrusting, believing that we know better or could do better than someone else. Can you even begin to imagine what it must have been like for Israel that day as they were at that Avar crossover moment? The priest began carrying the ark. And can you imagine 
the sense of excitement, the sense of fear, in essence, as they looked at the river. And then the 12 men began to follow the priests. The priests put their feet in the river, and as they did, the waters were heaped back up, we're told. The river stopped, and in a far distance away, the waters were heaped up so that the priest walked and stood in the middle of the Jordan riverbed on dry ground. And then came the 12 men, and then the people passed over. And it must have taken several hours to do that. A monument of 12 stones was then built that night where they camped at Gilgal. And we're still talking about what God did today. I passionately believe that ZPC's day to cross over will soon come. I can picture it like this. It's a day when a new pastor has been called here, and he's ministering alongside of you, leading the way. It will be a day when, in a new sense, there's a community of care here, a tantalizing kind of care that draws people in. At the very heart of everything that happens is an energized study and a joyful worship. And then the most natural response to that is hands-on mission, propelling you out into the world to joyfully proclaim the good news about Jesus and meet the deepest needs of people who are hurting. In practice, you will be a people called by God to make disciples and release them for service in our broken world. While the empty chairs that we see, and there aren't too many this morning, will be full and probably several more services, and revenues will be beyond budget, those factors won't really matter. The numbers game doesn't really matter to God. But what will matter most is all around us, we will see people, many of them broken and hurting, becoming followers of Jesus Christ and then being released to reach out to serve and care for others. It will be a glorious time when you will tell all who listen after that takes place. You will hearken back to the moment of the crossover time when we experience a time of uncertainty and change. Praise be to God. That day is ahead. I want to close with the words of a familiar hymn for many of us. It's William Williams' stirring hymn, which is one of my all-time favorites. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. He was thinking of this very crossover moment when he said, When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Death of death and hell's destruction, land me safe on Canaan's side. Songs of praises. Songs of praises I will ever give to thee. I will ever give to thee. Let us pray. God, I thank you for this church family. And I thank you for the many wonderful things you're doing here. And I pray now as we are on the edge of beginning a search for a pastor, and hopefully in uh, a few short months that will happen, and then, uh, God, there will be a new history uh, taking place. But help us not to wait for that moment. Help us right now to be following you in a more intentional way. 
Help us right now to consecrate ourselves. Help us right now to pray for our leaders and be willing to follow their courageous leadership. Thank you, God, for this passage. Happened so many years ago, and yet it speaks to us where we live even on this second Sunday of Advent 2012. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.